0: Welcome to the Shovel Pass, the NFL podcast for those that need that extra hour of football talk to get them over the hump and through the week. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm joined weekly by a few of my closest friends, Will Sawyer, Phil Heim, and Chris Heim, as we discuss all things NFL football from the games of the week, surprises, predictions, high performers, not-so-high performers, and anything else that stands out. Thank you for checking us out, and please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We sincerely appreciate it. March 1st here when we're talking. This is uh, the Shovel Pass Podcast. I'm Nick Sawyer. I'm sitting here with Phil and Phil Hyman, Will Sawyer. And this week in the NFL, there's been some interesting rumors, I guess. There's lots of stuff flying around in the offseason. We've got a few things that we're watching. Um, Aaron Rodgers, we've heard some, you know, everybody's eagerly awaiting to hear his decision, like it's some big thing. Is he going to retire or is he not? And do we really care? He's going to do I a guess. whole LeBron review. Yeah, I know. I guess everybody else, you know, he's being very cryptic. Oh, it'll be, it'll be very soon whatever. Anyways, we're going to run through a couple of the rumors and uh, just, I don't know, put some out to pasture and maybe get into some of the juicier ones. So the, the one this week that actually I found funny, interesting, whatever you want to call it, was the... Um, I I was reading Peter King's column this week, and he had it in there that I guess there's some shuffling of the broadcast booths for next season. So a few years ago, we saw Tony Romo make his exit from pro football and immediately step into the number one seat at CBS and get rid of uh, Phil Simms. God. and he got paid a whole bucket of money so he is earning what Will? 17 million right now? 16?
1: 17 I believe
0: 17 million dollars at CBS well it seems that the other networks have taken note and feel like they also have to pay these guys ungodly amounts of money (laughs) which is crazy to me because I mean, does anybody really care? Like, are you going to turn off a game because... Or or are you actually... No, sorry, I should put it this way. Are you going to turn on a game specifically because Troy Aikman or Tony Romo is the broadcaster?
1: I'm not going to lie that um, given that I don't care who's playing between two games... If I have the opportunity to listen to Chris Collinsworth or
0: not, okay, (laughs) 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 he's not Chris (laughs) Collinsworth. (laughs) Fair enough, but is that worth seventeen million dollars? My
1: Cowboys,
0: yeah, but Chris Collinsworth is never broadcasting at the same time as anybody else. No, right, (laughs) like, Uh, and and just. Is um, Romo worth seventeen million dollars? You're probably
1: watching the best game, regardless yeah, of whose exactly. it. Exactly, and you're gonna I've watch games with Collinsworth because it's the best game on.
0: It has. And in all fairness, him. and in all honesty, they could have Booger McFarland calling the game, and I would still watch the game.
2: Yeah, <laughs> with gritted right teeth, matchup. sure, but it's the right matchup,
0: right. So that's the point. Anyways, Aikman has been with Fox for a very long time as the. Golden Goose at Fox, right? Him and Joe Buck are the iconic pair at Fox. They get all the primetime games. And Aikman is leaving Fox. ESPN has wooed him to Monday Night Football.
2: So Big win for them.
0: Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, uh, Greasy. And uh, who was with him? I don't even, I don't even remember. Uh, Riddick. Right. Louis Riddick. Louis Riddick. Right? Riddick. Anyways. So ESPN is going to have to find some other place for those guys. Aikman is going to be the new lead on Monday Night Football, and they are paying him between eighteen and twenty million dollars a year to be that guy.
1: That's bananas.
0: So he's left Joe Buck. Joe Buck apparently has a year left on, on his contract at Fox, and has to make a decision as to what he does. Like, is he going to leave and go follow Aikman to do, you know, to ESPN, or is he going to stay at Fox? The, the wrinkle here is that Joe Buck is not just a football guy; he is a big time baseball announcer he's as well.
1: Probably a baseball first kind of
0: guy. Yes, he does. Every, he does the World Series almost every year. Yeah. So, is he going to leave all of that to go somewhere? I mean, I suppose it might. It might have something to do with the paycheck, but I mean, Joe Buck's also only fifty two years old. So he's as a broadcaster goes, he's like in the prime of his career. And he's one of the, if not the, biggest sports broadcaster right now. So we'll see how that pans out. I just thought it was interesting. That's a lot of money to, to, to pay Aikman to go over to ESPN. I guess they're, they're trying to revive Monday Night Football, and they've been through so many different announcers. And, I mean, I said it earlier this season, they needed to do something about it because those three that they had were just terrible I mean, I'm not a big fan of Aikman, but, I mean, I guess good for ESPN, trying to t- trying to take a swing at it. The, the last interesting part for me about this, though, and that this is – I didn't realize this, but, you know, Mr. King outlined it in his, his column, is that Fox is supposed to get two out of the three next Super Bowls. And Aikman was doing one of the best games every weekend. Like, if there was a primetime – Game, they would time right. They would time shift or no? Whatever. What do they call like the flex scheduling? Yeah, to make sure that. That one of the best games would be in the primetime slot, and he was always getting one of the best games. Now that he's at ESPN, he gets the Monday night game. Not all the Monday night games are that good. He's gonna have some shit games, and the only guarantee he has on calling a Super Bowl is he will get one Super Bowl in the last year of his contract with ESPN in twenty twenty six. So. He's waiting four years to get one Super Bowl, and he would have had two out of the next three if he stayed at Fox. He's getting probably five to eight million dollars a year more to go to ESPN.
1: Well, he's got to fund his uh, startup uh, brewery. Is that what he's doing? <laughs> he's got <laughs> a beer brand that he just okay. started up this year. Sweet. <laughs>
0: But the, and, and the last last thing about this, though, is that Peyton, Peyton Manning and Eli are also on Monday Night Football on another feed, kind of chipping away at his ratings. So you're on the same team, but they're kind of... Yeah, like it's a side. weird
2: cannibalism strategy there by ESPN to make sure they got ESPN 1 and 2, I guess, fully covered. But hey, it's like almost part of their strategy.
0: Anyways, all of, all of that is to say, like, I, I don't have any real strong feelings on all of it other than I guess I'm happy that he's on monday night football so i don't have to listen to him on all the best games on stuff but even then like I, I have to listen to him on monday night football and i watch it every monday so i listen i'm not the biggest aikman fan i, I guess lesser of two evils maybe he's got to be better <laughs> than the guys they had this year oh absolutely but that's crazy money yeah. to be spending on broadcasters like that's crazy i just don't know how they justify it i don't see how that the return on investment
1: Yeah. I I don't know. I, I feel like Romo, they felt like they had something with the future and they, they were genuinely kind of trying to lure him away from football because, you know, his body was a little beat up, but if he had wanted to, he could have stayed in the league and they felt like he could, uh, anyways they they felt like he could um, still play and they were competing against that so they offered him a bucket of money and he took it and and I think he did change um, how the game is called uh, for the better. Now he's he's had you know a few little um, slip ups here and there since then it's not that he's he's a perfect broadcaster. Um, but he did have a different style and I think other networks have kind of tried to, to figure out, Oh, Hey, actually maybe our football fans are a little bit more intelligent than we initially took them for and want a little deeper football insight than we were giving them. Um, Gone are the days of, I, I mean, I loved John Madden, but he did not get into the football nitty gritty he would spend time talking about the mustard stain on his top. Boom. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that was John Madden that I knew. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and like I said, I loved him in, in his era, but I, I feel like football fans today are asking for a little bit more from their broadcast. They're smarter. Because, yeah. They're smarter. They understand a little bit more of the, the nuances of football and, and they want to hear that. From the broadcast um, so I hope that that trend is continued to be picked up by other networks by other broadcasters they start getting guys in the booth that know what they're talking about um, Aikman um, I I don't know about him I, I mean I love him as a cowboy but uh, his comments are not always the most insightful I hope for whatever reason that has more to do with the broadcast team and that maybe he goes in a bit of a different direction with a new team, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, there, there's a lot of broadcasters that I'm not all that impressed with. Uh, Aikman's not the worst, but he's far from the best. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Phil,
2: I'm right there with you. Um, I mean, like, is like anyone's better than Chris Collinsworth? Like, that's kind of where I'm at. So, like, as far as, <laughs> yeah. as far as kind of like, uh, yeah, as far as you know, Brock does want to listen to Aiken on the short list. Um, but yeah, like that's the thing too. Like, we're we're hearing the money that's being thrown out in the broadcasting. Like Sean McVay, for instance, we had the rumors that he was going to, re- you know, he might retire, and people were saying all of a sudden, fifty million dollar a year broadcasting over Sean McVay, right? So even that makes sense, right? Like, if Sean McVay, who's never done a broadcasting in his life. But is, in fairness, one of the most marketable, if not the most marketable coach in the NFL. Yeah, if you want to entice him to get, stay away from the NFL, you'd better be paying $50 million a year. But then, obviously, what does that mean for the talent you currently have in the broadcasting pool? They they want to pay raise too, right? So for if I'm Troy, like, I get it. Like, I get the move. Um, he definitely is someone that I would prefer to listen to. But I think you made a good point. Like, I don't choose a network based off who's announcing I choose a network based off who has a game I want to see. And for the primetime games, they're all games I want to see for the most part. It's not like six years ago when we were getting Tennessee and Jacksonville Thursday night football, like the games are a little better these days on primetime. So, um, and, and there's a funny
1: kind of, I don't know, catch 22 that I see here where, um, if football fans are more intelligent Uh, more into the nuances of the game the strategies the and and are following the league they're also the fans that are going to pick the matchup over the broadcast booth every single time so even if even if you're trying to cater to these fans and you're trying to give them what they are craving um it's still not going to sway which one i'm picking no. It's not going to make me watch a game I don't want to watch.
2: <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. but um, so, yeah.
1: so what's the return on investment? Uh, I don't know. I don't know.
2: It's difficult it's to question. say. Good question. Well, speaking of kind of ridiculous contracts being floated around, there are two quarterbacks I did want to talk about that I think are just getting increasingly more delusional as the weeks go by. Uh, obviously, I have made – and my brother and I have made zero – kind of qualms, reservations, but our feelings for a certain quarterback in Green Bay. Um, I just want to start with that one real quick before I get to the guy uh, in, in Arizona who's just becoming more and more like the guy in Green Bay the more he opens his mouth. But um, Aaron Rodgers, of all people, man, like $50 million a year is the number I'm hearing floated out, Will. And I hear $50 million a year, and I'm like, what makes you think that you're worth a seventeen million or $16.5 million pay raise? To play for what's gonna be because of that pay raise a worse team than the team you couldn't take past the first round this year, like that doesn't make any sense to me. I get that he's a two-time MVP, but I also get that that two-time MVP was literally pre pre-des- pre and awarded to him in each of the previous two off seasons that he would be winning the MVP. So, and how what is that translated? As far as playoff success, about the same, literally, as Baker Mayfield. So you're telling me <laughs> that Baker Mayfield, who at this stage of his career is, I mean, realistically, I would love to pay him about 20 million a year and be happy with it. Quarterbacks who are starting level quarterbacks are nowadays getting between 25 and 30 million. That's the going rate for starting rate quarterbacks. Baker, I think, is about 20, 25. Let's say 20 for a argument. So you're telling me that you're almost a Baker Mayfield uh, additional salary worth to your team when you're literally as good as he was in the playoffs the past two seasons no thank you and baker only made the playoffs one of these seasons too let's let's not forget that that's what i'm saying it's like at least he's getting to the championship games right he's at least having some success and not putting his team in positions to lose it's like you're telling me he's worth that extra money why you're gonna have a worse team so i'm curious here what you think about that he really. is he worth 50 million a year uh,
1: so so here's the thing um no, I don't. Uh, <laughs> having said that, the I can see a certain level of logic in this. Uh, I know it's been discussed uh, whether they're going to franchise tag Devontae Adams, um, which they might try to do. But I genuinely think, given the um, contract squabbles uh, that, that kind of surfaced last summer, with Devontae Adams that if they try to tell Devontae Adams, Hey, we're going to franchise tag you this year, but you're not going to have Rogers throwing to you.
2: Yeah. Good luck. He might not show up. Yeah. Good. Seriously. Um, Good sell. Honestly, fair on Devontae's part for that. Like if that were to happen, because good sell, good luck selling that.
1: Yeah. And, and if they lose Rogers, um, they had a team that was, the first seed in the nfc this year uh without rogers it really depends how much they believe in jordan love because i don't i don't see it happening i mean it's always possible that he comes in and he's just a phenom but i don't see it being like that and uh, if you're not real confident in jordan love it's like well it's it's a tough road to fall to say hey I, we're gonna give up a potential first seed kind of team yeah and go with the young guy and you know take our chances um so i personally you're right i don't necessarily agree with the 50 million number i think it's high but i can see some logic in why green bay might go after it now it's a different story if you start getting into talking about a team like the Denver Broncos trading for him and having to pay him fifty million dollars. Yeah. That, that would be that is that is an additional kind of tough sell because they don't know that he's gonna come in and deliver a Super Bowl.
2: And then you removed so, any leverage to help him win that Super Bowl <laughs> both ways from yeah, you the know, draft and the salary cap.
1: You know, you just you just shortened your window to, you know, one or two years with Aaron Rodgers and said, okay, now this is when we have to win a Super Bowl. You're putting it all on Rodgers to be able to win games in the playoffs, which he's a little up and down on, mostly down. Um, <laughs> and and you're saying, okay, yeah, we're going to give up multiple first round picks, second, third round pick, plus $50 million to exactly. get him in the door. I mean that that's better than the farm, in in the wildest sense. Um, so, I can sort of see him coming back to Green Bay. Maybe they talk him down a few dollars. I really don't know that I can see a
2: team like Denver trading for that. Yeah, me neither. Um, and for me too, it's like it's like. At this point, if I'm Green Bay, if you're gonna come at me like with such a ridiculous request, I'm like, okay, I'd rather I would get more, knowing that at 34 million dollars a year, you're still not giving me Super Bowls, and now you want 16 million more. So that that's literally two free agents. That's Zadarius Smith, and that's not necessarily Devonte Adams, but potentially a second, a, a high value tier two wide receiver you get in the market. That's two guys gone. Or one high-value impact player that you could have added that you can't because you're tying it up in your deep quarterback. So to me, it's like, okay, wouldn't it make more sense if I traded you for two first-round picks and maybe two, or two or three second-round picks somewhere else, and then use that to build around Jordan Love with guess what, the thirty-four million dollars of your current contract that I just saved myself? I think that's pretty fair. Like if I'm Green Bay, I'm seriously considering that. Yeah, Jordan Love might not be the guy, or he might not be, He might be able to, to to win now. He might not be the guy but you're going to give yourself a whole lot of opportunities to figure out if you can while the rest of that roster is still in place, right? Like you're going to all of a sudden have a lot of cap space and a lot of draft capital with which to do something. So you could really surround Jordan a lot with, with players or you could use that draft capital and get the guy who will be the future quarterback. But like th- to me, the idea that you got to pay him or what, or, or, or else like that, it, no must doesn't fly to me. Like you, you need to deliver, playoff wins and you can't keep choking when you get to the conference championship. Like you need to get to a Super Bowl in more than the past decade, or more recently than the past decade, for me to open up my checkbook that much. Patrick Mahomes, I would sooner redo his deal to give him 50 million a year because he's absolutely worth it. He will host the AFC championship game every single year for the next five years too. Like I can see him doing that. I can't see Rogers being around for three more years, let alone hosting an NFC championship game again. You know, so and, and 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 that's kind of where like I look at these guys and I'm like what is it in the water in the NFC that makes these quarterbacks so damn delusional? And I look at Kyler Murray huh. <laughs> you know, in Arizona yeah. too. And I'm sure you saw what looked like a kind of ransom letter that his agent put out there with you know, <laughs> in a weird font, you know, kind of small you know, all capital kind of stuff. Kind of looked like he if anything, it honestly would honestly be more effective if he yeah if he like did the magazine cutouts and kind of <laughs> rearranged the letters that were like a 70s serial killer would. But, like, my goodness, that the, – again, the delusion in that in my head. I'm like, Kyler – He, he was inspired by uh,
1: Antonio Brown's lawyer's statement. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that's that's where I'm thinking. It's like, Kyler, like, I'm sorry. I saw the same game against the Rams that the rest of the, the football-loving world saw. Like, you didn't run – When that's your main skill, you played scared, you got injured, and then you didn't put yourself back in the game. You yourself as a quarterback, there's reports that he's losing the locker room as far as teammates go. Why would I pay you early when you will put yourself above us always? And I'm for athletes making quote-unquote business decisions. You know, As uh, Dion said, you don't pay me to tackle, (laughs) you pay me to cover. I (laughs) get it. But if you're doing that, then you better produce at a Super Bowl or at least a high-caliber playoff level, not – Crumble two consecutive years in the second half of the regular season, and then this year completely flame out in the in the postseason. Like remember, now, I'm young enough now, I'm having said
1: fun. that. Having said that, um, well, two things that I, I was going to bring up. So one is uh, when we're talking about potential uh, big fish for Denver to land, um, if they have a shot at Kyler Murray, I would much sooner take that swing absolutely than Rogers. Uh, because one, it isn't going to cost you as much kind of up front. Um, and your window is much, much longer. Uh, so if you think he's the right guy, which I understand there's some attitude issues, maybe, um, not always sure what happens behind closed doors with that. But I, I think the window offers you a lot more, um, to, to sink your teeth into there. So even if it does cost you a fair bit in terms of uh, draft capital and, and whatever contract you sort out with Murray, I would much sooner take that swing. Um, the other thing that I was going to bring up, which is still a little bit up in the air, but it was interesting seeing what kind of market Deshaun Watson seemingly yeah. still had even well into his whole, scandal coming out and um, while teams have kind of backed off and and I think no one's really going to touch him until they have a little bit more clarity as to where his his legal issues are going to go and what his return to the league actually looks like I don't think teams are gun shy from going after him for his character. I think teams are gun shy going after him because they're not sure when he's going to see the field. Exactly. And I think to some degree, we might see that with Kyler where it's, even if his character is um, not what a team would typically desire. uh, I still don't think that's going to stop them from going after him because he is a talented guy. And as long as they think that he can produce on the field, they will make his attitude issues work off the field.
2: I think so. Somebody wants him. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing, and that's where you got to balance as well too. Like you have to balance upside in the, both these quarterbacks' cases. You got to balance upside. You got to balance where they're at their career and also how much they in. Aaron Rodgers again believes he's worth fifty million. Kyler probably believes he's worth in the thirty-five to well, yeah, the thirty-five to forty million range. Which I again, I'd sooner pay him that character issues and all because maybe he can grow out of those. Aaron Rodgers is 37, 38, and his developing character issues. Like, that's a huge red flag to me, right? So I guess one of the questions I have is, uh, we have some idea of what it might take to get Rodgers away from Green Bay. What do you think a fair package would look like for Kyler? Because in my mind, if I'm the Cardinals, I'm not parting with him for less than three first-rounders and at two second-rounders. It's got to be five day one sorry, five, three day one and, and, and two at least day two picks to get color away from me i'm not sure about you what do you think will
1: um i think i think you're in the right ballpark i mean i know um numbers were thrown around for rogers that he was going to take three first rounders uh second third and fourth um which also seems high to me um but comparatively speaking yeah 100 i'm giving i'm giving three firsts and two seconds for kyler before i'm giving three firsts a second third and fourth for rogers yeah. uh, they're not even comparable uh now whether those how those three firsts play out as far as are they uh you know one this year one next year one the following year uh two this year one next year depending on what a team has to offer um those picks are slightly different values, uh, because you don't necessarily know what a team's going to do three years down the road. And if you're trying to build today, you kind of want those picks sooner than later. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think you're wrong. I
2: think that's kind of in the ballpark of, of what it would take to get him. Uh, and who do you yeah, who do you think could make a trade then for that one? Like who 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 do you who do you think they trade? Who do you think they trade him to if I'm the Cardinals? Like who who would you answer that phone for? Obviously, nobody in the NFC, because you're not gonna want to see him the next decade. But if, if he does find a way back to the playoffs and actually decides to complete a game. But um but like that's what I'm saying. It's like obviously it's gotta be an AFC team. But then again, if I'm Kyler, why would I run to join the AFC where I mean other it's great not gonna be
1: in division I don't know that it's a complete write-off that it goes to the same conference. Uh, you know, I could see something. So there's two things uh, that you'd have to consider: is if they're getting rid of Kyler, who are they replacing him with? I have an answer for you, but finish your thought. Uh, yeah, um, and then yeah, who who has the ability and the desire to go out and get him? Um, I would kind of. I don't know. Look at, uh, I, I would, I'm going to go out and I'm going to say three teams, uh, Minnesota, Denver, and Las Vegas. Now I don't think Derek Carr deserves to leave, but I know, Me neither. I know there has been a significant chatter, not just this year, but the last kind of three years that maybe they should ditch him. um, And if ownership isn't sold on him, who knows? And if they can swap, if they can get a Kyler Murray, uh, do they do it? I don't know. Um, That one's a little bit more of an out there choice for me. Denver, I think very much is in a win now kind of mentality. And if they can't get Rodgers, maybe they they put their money on Kyler. Um, And Minnesota... I don't. I
2: don't know whether cousins lasts there. It's funny. I would have said Minnesota too, but my choice might have been my. It's it's another NFC North team, and I'm gonna say Detroit. I think makes a swing. <laughs> if anything, I feel <laughs> like honestly, to be honest, like I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, okay, because to your question too, like who are they gonna replace him with? Well, Jared Goff. Jared Goff isn't a bum. And if I'm Arizona, Jared Goff is one hell of a consolation prize. He's still a former first round pick, has been to a Super Bowl, did better than expected with a bare, bare, bare covered Detroit Lions team. And we saw that Detroit Lions team under Matt Cam- or Dan Campbell rather show a lot more fight, right? And they had they're flush with cap space. They're going to be flush with high high-value, high, high early-round picks that they can part with, and they'll have a bunch of cap space to build immediately around Kyler. They drafted Panay Sewell. Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be a, one of the t- premier slot receivers, if not eventually uh, number one receivers in the league for for some time. Like the the, the the weapons on offense are coming along slowly. So if I'm Arizona, if I'm Detroit, obviously not nice to move you know uh, young Slim Shady there twice. I guess a few times, you know, Jared Goff, not nice to move him twice, but I think he'd be okay. Um, I feel like as far as far-fetched trade scenarios that are a little likelier than you think, that one could be one of them. Because it seems like when I think about it in my head, I'm like, that's a win-win. It's a scenario that I'm like, why don't I GM? And
1: what, what picks did they get when they when they traded Stafford away? Let's take a look at that. They got some decent picks.
2: They got two first-round picks and a third so again and, and and a lot of that too was like to dump the salary of Jared Goff right but that's what I'm saying like you won't have to you'll have to give up more picks in a quote unquote salary dump because you will be absorbing the Kyler Murray salary too right so obviously Jared Goff like if anything like they can the like the choice on the hook for the most of his pay that, that basically already happened i think in the, this 2021 season was his biggest cap hit so they can move on from him with like less financial pain if they wanted to and then make room to absorb the burden of whatever Kyler wants. If you want to pay him in that 35 to 40 million range, that's where I'm like, okay, I'd, yeah, I'd rather sooner pay Kyler 40 million for five years and then renegotiate in four and pay Aaron for two years and 50 million, get zero super bowls for it. Right. <laughs> so if I'm Detroit, like that'd be a pretty good. And then all of a sudden the NFC North gets really interesting. Cause you got Justin Fields in Chicago, who knows what he's going to look like. And you have Kyler Murray and potentially if, if Aaron Rodgers sticks around, but if not, you got Trey Lance too. You got, Three incredibly mobile, incredibly dynamic quarterbacks. Two of which with big question marks, but one of which is an established young star who's got some question marks in the playoffs. But man, I'd like to see that scenario come through. <laughs> That'd
1: be interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'm not sold on it, but I, I, I can, uh, you know, I can sort of picture it, uh, especially with those extra picks. It, it's less of a, it's less of a hit than. Um, with some other teams because it, it's it's not their picks to begin with. Like they could trade away conceivably the picks that they got for Stafford, and and if they can get Kyler Murray for it, um, you know I know I know I know Stafford just won a Super Bowl, but let's be honest, the Lions were not winning a Super Bowl this year, or probably nope. within Stafford's career. So uh, in in a two year. Span to to move on from Stafford and find themselves with Kyler Murray would be a pretty good situation. Trade off. And think considered. about it.
2: And think about it too. That's three times they flip quarterbacks, and each one was a first overall pick. When was the last time you saw a team roll out three different starters in three consecutive seasons that were all first overall picks? That would be, for storylines, pretty damn cool. And to be one of the worst teams in football <laughs> under
1: all three. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Good that just, but again, we know that's the Lions, right? That they are one of the worst organizations in sports. So hopefully, Dan Camp's not going around. But yeah, is there any other juicy gossip we got in the NFL this week? Or is that kind of all we wanted to touch on?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I think I think those are the big ones. Um, you know, there, there's always buzz kind of going around. I, I know I've read some stuff. Uh, there, There's at least there's at least one um, uh, media personality uh, that thinks um, San Fran should move on from Kittle. I don't know if we're going to toss this in on a future episode, but um, one of the interesting kind of things to talk about to me is uh, moving on from guys who are currently considered elite, so I think it was Bill Walsh that that had a quote, and yep. I'm, I'm paraphrasing him horribly, but it's it's better to move on from a guy a year too early than a year too late.
2: Absolutely, hey, Bill Walsh so, just made a career of doing that as a GM in in in, uh, in New England, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and so guys like Kittle, I mean, we talked about him earlier, uh, you know, in our our. our a weekly podcast that uh, he's a guy that has had a little bit of health concerns. He's playing at an elite level right now. He would garner some very strong interest from other teams right now. But if his play is not at a comparable level two years from now, uh, would they be, Would they have been better off dealing him today yeah. than hanging on to him? Because right now, like you've got a strong team, but you don't know that Trey Lance is going to light the league on fire in his first year. So realistically, to me, the value proposition is, is Kittle going to be playing at an elite level in two years? Not one year, in two years. Because yeah. that, to me, is when you have to hope that Trey Lance is hitting his struct.
2: Yeah. And that's a good point. That's actually a really great point there. Well, cause you have to hope that Kittle is still Kittle by the time Trey Lance is able to throw him the ball. <laughs> right. So yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Point. You know,
1: I mean, Kittle will, will be uh, an asset and will help Trey Lance along in the interim, but is it worth, uh, you know, I think he's getting paid $16 million a year for a tight end uh, that may not have the same future that that you're hoping uh trey lance to have yeah if their windows don't line up anyways it's an interesting conversation maybe we uh look at
2: putting that into a, another podcast uh i feel like you know, that's in fair. Upcoming weeks oh that's a great um, topic actually guys who you should move on a year early from today yeah exactly who yeah teams would regret moving on from or not having moved on from today. Wow, I butchered. Yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> I, th- I, think,
1: I think I put it to the the group that uh, we should talk about. Uh, I like we that should one. each name two guys. We should like name one. one guy who is is in a similar position but that you should keep and one guy that it's time to bail on.
2: Yeah, and, and convert put our bets too. in exactly. as to
1: who, who's going who's gonna to survive, who's going to be
2: the value to keep and who's gonna be the value. The oh, pitch. I have some thoughts in my head already. One guy I have in, in my <laughs> head I mean th- just off the bat, like I'm not gonna I'll say it for the podcast obviously, but like the one guy you gotta keep as, as a Patriot Patriots fan, JC freaking Jackson, man. Like he's <laughs> tweeting out on top that they don't apparently don't want him. Like JC, trust me, Patriots Nation knows and values and wants you. Like the last time Bill Belichick got Does career, the
1: ownership want him? Oh,
2: I think I think Robert Kraft does. Does Bill Belichick want to open up the pocketbook for another corner like he did for Stefan Gilmore? And I'm like, well, considering that JC Jackson at this point his career looks a lot like Stefan did when we got him in 2017. Let's open up that pocketbook. Nobody has more picks than JC Jackson does since some in the league. It's time to pay the man. I think that's only totally fair. Undrafted, pay the man. You already got a deal for four years, Bill. You're sky. <laughs> pay the man, Bill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree you with you. Um, the other one that uh, you know we we can pick up, uh, you know, on upcoming weeks because we're going to start talking draft at some point and not do yep. distant future. But I always find it interesting uh, when in the lead up, we're talking during the college football season and leading into the kind of senior football season for a lot of these guys you get a ton of analysts going the 2022 draft class is weak at quarterback. It is not going to be a good draft for high picks for quarterbacks. And it's almost unanimous. All the analysts are saying this and then the NFL season finishes and then draft Buzz starts kind of building. And we start talking about all the teams that, really need quarterbacks. And all of a sudden these guys who all the analysts were, were running over with their bulldozer in August saying these guys are our second and third round picks at best. All of a sudden, as you get closer to the draft, you start hearing analysts and teams talking about these guys as if, Oh no, no, no. This guy, I think actually is a first round pick. And then inevitably, they pick guys high in the first round, and you you get guys like I don't know Christian Ponder getting drafted <laughs> in the first round, and it's like Jake Locker was that a draft not- too,
2: man. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Inevitably, almost every time you see this, the analysts talk about a weak quarterback class, you still end up...
2: There's a run on quarterbacks. The only four
1: quarterbacks getting drafted in the first round, and they don't deserve it, and they don't turn out anything.
2: The only time (laughs) I can think of that that didn't happen, I think, was the 2013 draft, which oddly enough is the draft class that this one keeps getting compared to. And that's not a good thing, right? Because that only, the only first-round quarterback in that draft was EJ Manuel, and then the second quarter, the second quarterback was Geno Smith, who is literally most famous for being decked by his own teammate at this point. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I'm not if I'm if I'm a, if I'm a, if honestly if I'm a team in need of a quarterback, I'm aggressively pursuing one of the five six veteran options on there, or I'm holding tight and I'm committing to a tank and hoping the you know hoping the next go around the carousel is a better one. But this is why the NFL draft I think is so exciting I can't wait to see kind of as the weeks come along who we think is gonna be the first pick and what we think these teams do so, yeah definitely
1: so we'll, we'll pick that up uh, you know in, in, in a couple weeks or maybe later depends on when we uh, do our kind of uh, draft previews but uh, we'll leave it off for uh, tonight great chatting with you Phil as always really. Uh, we'll talk in a couple weeks
2: Sounds good. Cheers, buddy. Take care.